Hi, Gavin Robertson here, and yep, I might be an international cricketer and a New South Wales bluebagger, but let me tell you, I got lucky. And in 2012 and 2014, I skied the Sydney bridge to bridge. Yep, Dangar Island, all the way to Windsor. No greater or more prouder thing that you could do. But you know what? It is a great sport, and now you can find out more. You've got to listen to On The Rope. Why? Because you'll find out all the great things that have been achieved, all the upcoming things that could be achieved by someone trying, training, and working their butt off. Get involved. Listen to On The Rope. You're listening to Australia's number one ski racing podcast, On The the rope. Rope. Sponsored by Coldy's Tow Bars and Bull Bars. Featuring Chelsea Stevens, Jack Coldrake, Mick Kelly, Dave Bishop, Tim Horbury and Wade Bennett. My name's Mick Lumpton. Now let's head to the 10. And welcome along to On The Road Podcast, and thanks so much for joining us. I really hope you enjoyed that last podcast where Chelsea went out to Echuca and had a chat to Leo Welsh. It was a very interesting story. And of course, we've got another $350 prize bag to give away, and we couldn't do it without our great sponsors, Savage Force, Rubber Jungle, Bullet Boats, Bad Lad Australia, and of course, Coldies, Tow Bars and Bull Bars. So what you've got to do is listen to Tim's question at the end of the podcast and just follow the prompts. Now this podcast, our very own Mick Kelly, caught up with Ray Ball, had a couple of beers over a Zoom meeting, and this is what happened. Enjoy. Our guest today has done it all. He skied behind a myriad of boats over a long career in Australia, picking up a lot of wins and some handy little records along the way too. He's won outright here and internationally and currently is the record holder of one of the most coveted races in the world, the Southern 80. Raymond Ball, good to have you on the rope, mate. Cheers, Miko. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to what's in story. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Hopefully it's just a bit of fun, and let's start from the beginning. If I was to ask you, Ray Ball, who are you? Tell me. I'd say, as an individual, I'm just your average person that, you know, wants... He gives everything to what he what he has, and you know looks after everything, and just flat out wants to have a go, try everything, and and give it me all. Um, as a skier, mate, and as a racer, um, social skiing, I love it. I get enjoyment out of it. Um, I love seeing the kids do it. I love watching anyone do it. Just ha- out there, have fun, enjoying it. Um, and as a racer, I would say, mate, I'm, a, I'm everything you need to be. I believe someone that's passionate about what they do, someone that's keen, um, wants to know ins and outs of what's happening, where it's going. I'm lucky enough to, you know, be at the top end of the sport at the moment. So, yeah. I think to me, like for me, it's very important to be it's two different people like the race you and the actual you aren't the same people because racing's not necessarily life it's just a pretty cool part of it so it's it's good to see that you separate the two like for me i I think that makes you 
you know, a bit more connected to what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Michael, it's hard. Like now at this stage of my life, things are certainly different to how they were five years ago. You know, there was a point in time where you, I was obviously selfish with racing and racing was the utmost and foremost of, of what I did. Now I'm a little bit more, as much as it's probably more serious, my racing side, I'm a lot more relaxed with it and and a little bit more picky and choosy with, with the races I do or who I ski with and whatnot, which is, um, you know, it's kind of, it's a balancing act, but it's one I'm, um, I feel I'm getting right at the moment and I'm pretty happy with. Yeah, me and mate. And again, like I'm, I'm old, I get it, but I, I, I can genuinely track what you're saying, the changes in my racing from I just want to race, I want to be out there, I want to win stuff to, all right, like I love racing, but I need to make decisions based upon life and stuff like that. So that's that's cool, man. Like that's Yeah. That's really well, cool. None, the hard thing, none of us are getting any younger. So <laughs> uh, you got a few years to get to where I am, right? So just, for, just relax, mate. Um, skiing in general, how, how did you get into skiing? Um, family, friends, mate. Like I was, I used to do... I used to be a competitive swimmer when I was younger. I was pretty good at that. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> How did I not know that? Yeah. Um, you know, I represented at state level as a swimmer. And then, um, I don't know, we were just down the river with some friends who had a caravan on the Hawkesbury at Lower Portland. And it was just one of those things. Oh, do you want to have a go? Had a go. Got up, enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, within a week and a half, two weeks of that, I was busting my balls to get back down there and um, have a go at one and then had a go at one and then all of a sudden, bang, you've got the bug and Dad decided, you know, we, what do we do? I was pestering him for a boat and, and, it, and it happened from there, really. So it was about 12 years old and then the bug got me and I look back now and 20 years on, it still got me. Yeah, it's, it's scary how much you wouldn't change when you can look back at stuff and I mean, there's plenty of things I'd pipe money into, but skiing is one of the very few things where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't change it. I'd like, I, I really like what I get out of it. Oh, you absolutely. Know. And it's like, it's not just what I get out of it. I suppose it's the one thing I'd like, I mentioned before, like I've gone from competitive swimming, um, which was wholly and solely myself, mum, early mornings, late nights, taking me to and from training. Then all of a sudden, I'm in, in, got myself into a sport socially, which could involve everyone. Um, and, and that's a big thing I even say to people now, like, you know, skiing is, is I can take my partner out, Mel, I can take the kids out. We're all doing it together. It's the same as you guys. You, you can take your family out. You're all doing it together. There ain't too many sports that you can do as a family, as a whole, and get out and enjoy it all together. No, that's it. Like it it's... Yeah, it's a real niche thing, but it's cool. It's very cool. So, like, you're into your skiing. How, how did that lead to you actually racing? Um, again, family, friends that we'd met skiing. Um, uh, someone um, must have thought I had, I might have had a little bit of <laughs> talent, so to speak. Um, his name, Chris Bennett. He actually, um, he actually was the one that got me into racing. I did a. He had a little outboard, little with an X race engine on it. Took me down, did a couple of practice runs on an old ski of his, and got a couple of starts. And 
and that that was that was it. We went then to a club day. It was like Cliftonville. I think they were only just starting out. Um, did a couple of laps there, and then all of a sudden, like I said, it was like social skiing. I got the bug. Then then it was uh, yeah. yeah. I was hooked. Can't, can't get enough of it. Yep. Nah, that's it exactly. Oh, and you know what? Like ev- everyone you talk to, you know, like you know, a billion people, right? Everyone's got that one person that kind of directed them into racing. Like, oh, ab- absolutely, mate. Whether, whether it was a push or whether it was a like, there's always someone who fed the racing to you. Like, yeah, yeah. and I th- and like I'm forever grateful with Chris. Like, and funny enough, I still see Chris now, um, and where I social ski with my family. He actually owns the paddle steamer on the river and I see him quite regularly while we're out in the river and, you know, have a quick yarn and a quick chat about how it all happened and whatnot. And it's, and, and it's cool. Like those days, that's the cornerstone of my, of my skiing and my racing. And, um, you know, I love that. Is it, is there that, that little smugness where you're like, uh, you introduced me to it, but I'm heaps better at it than you. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, sp- I suppose it is, but but he he's pretty cool with that. Like he's um he goes just he asked me oh how does your body recover? How do you feel? I've never gone that fast. What what's this like? What's that like? He's um I think he's he, as much as I it is cool to be where I'm at in skiing. He's he, he's just as excited for me, if not more yeah. excited than what I am. Which yeah, is, and that's um, like know, that's racing all over, isn't it? Like, oh, absolutely, and that and that says a lot about a person when someone teaches you their craft or whatnot. And they can then be happy for you. That's um, that's pretty cool. And even like I know, like you're up. You did a fair bit of stuff with up us up in Queensland there, and like we did a few junior days and stuff. And scarily enough, those little bastards are actually skiing the house down now. Some of those guys, and you know, it's instead of me going, Jesus, they're they're all quicker than me. Like you actually sort of sit there and get that sort of proud stepdad thing where you're like, oh, look at them go. You yeah, know. I was. Oh, you, you, you were a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is, it's a cool feeling. Like it's very rewarding for me. Like I've done a few kind of sport things. It, it separates ski racing from a lot of others. I find a lot of other sports don't have that. Like it, there's a lot. Not jealousy. I don't think jealousy is a word, but it's people aren't as happy for you to do well. Where there's there's not a lot in racing. I find where it's someone's doing better than you and you, you hate them for it. You know what I mean? Like you, you genuinely accept people are scaring the house down. And if someone beats you, you're normally the first person there to congratulate them. And Oh, definitely. When someone, someone can fairly beat you and whatnot, you're always the first one to go up there and um, shake your hand. But deep down, you're always a little bit burnt by it. And that's oh, I mean, it drives you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's just the competitive nature of, of being a competitor, I believe. Yeah, and that, no one, no one likes, no one likes to get beaten. If you're <laughs> racing, you're racing to win. That I believe. What do they reckon? Second sucks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got a lot of seconds in me time. <laughs> that's for sure. That's uh, all right. Learn and experience, mate. Learn and experience. You're the, the top of the pile now, mate. Like you, if if people are throwing out, if ski racing was NRL and they're throwing contracts. You'd be in the first handful. Like, you're right up there. How did you get from where you started to where you are? Um, stepping stones, mate. And I, th- I think that that's something that a lot of people 
don't see or they overlook. Um, I think n- now at the moment in our current situation with speed capping, I think I think that's brought that back a little bit. But when I first started in '04, I think it was there was there, there was a range of classes, um, and and I've competed in, in a lot of engine classes. Engine classes are really what has made me as a skier. Um, I learnt my craft at uh, and technique, whether that's right or wrong. Um, but I'd like to feel that that's where I learnt my things from in the, in those lower classes where the speeds weren't so high. It was it was very competitive, but the risk wasn't as great. Um, and yeah, just the classes. It's now I feel. At the moment, there's a lot of people pushing, oh, I want a big boat, I want a big boat, I want a big boat. There's no glory in scheme behind a big boat anymore. Like the big boats, no, uh, everyone's they're, they're, got one. Yeah. Everyone's got one. So I used to do, um, when I was up there with you guys in Queensland, did a lot of Queensland titles. The funnest race I did was the outboard race <laughs> at the end of the day. I absolutely love it. And you know, it was one of the hardest ones I had to work at. You couldn't lapse in concentration because you were going quick. Yeah. Who, who yeah, would own four four labs with the same motors and hook yeah. up four equivalent skiers and just hold them pinned? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was, it was, it was. But that's what made skiers. I think um, the out, outboard classes are great. They're, they're really, they're a really good stepping stone. Um, the sixty and seventy mile an hour is also cool, and I think the introduction of um, the sportsman's class, which I like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's probably one of the bigger classes now. Have to be. It's a really cool class, I think. So, um, stepping stones is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, those engine classes were were a real big help to get me to where I am now. Yeah, I mean, like I I knew a guy. um, He was a biggish guy, Grant Turner. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He. We did a season behind a 1750 bullet with a 175. Oh. And, um, like, we were probably 18 or 19, thought we were pretty good. And it, it sorted us out pretty quick. Like, the, the, the guy could drive it, old Larry, he could pedal the thing. And, like, it really kind of found us wanting a bit, which, like you say, it's you kind of think you're a big deal and then you're expected to do something. You're like, shit, this got up. Oh, definitely. And, and that, that, that's something that's happened with me. I thought, here I am, I'm going all right, going, going all right. Then all of a sudden, a weekend later, here I am, cartwheeled and jigsawed all, all over the river and having to take a massive step back. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, three steps forward and then 10 backwards. And, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's good. Well, like, all right, let's get controversial here. When I was a kid, um, Big Smoke, Campbell Security, there was two or three kind of massive boats in SRQ that were the that were the big big dick boats. Yeah, like like you would not have dared, even if you were like a men's skier, hit them up for a run, unless you were their skiers. Like they would have just like I don't, God knows what they would have done, but like it was just unheard of. Yeah. So push forward, like and I like I don't know New South Wales and Vic could be the same, I guess, but like kids. Or young guys were like hitting up Griffo on that for a tow behind the big boat, and he was like, "Yeah, cool. I want to, I want to get people excited. I want to push the sport." Do you think that helps or hurts? 
Like, that does does it drive them uh, to get to that spot, or does oh, it? It's it's. I believe it's catch twenty two, Miko. You could go. You could go one way, and the kid gets to ski behind a big boat, which is like cool one. as balls. Well, Absolutely, it's cool to have the photo on the front of the boat. It's cool to have the family there watching and all that kind of stuff. Man, I, I still take photos when I sit on the deck of cool boats. So, I mean, so do I. Cool. So do I. So, well, I got someone taking the photos for me and my partner Mel, which is pretty cool. So um, she always says I don't take any photos of her, but she's got plenty of me. So, which is you know, well, take it or well, leave it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no. Oh, look, it, yeah, it really goes both ways. I, I think it, I think it is cool for them to get that kind of opportunity behind someone like Griffo or the likes of um, Darren Maguire or someone like Mark Cranny or, or those guys that, that are, you know, they, they are the top of the sport or were when they were racing. Um, but then I also feel that it gives you a false sense of security too. You get someone behind a little, like a big boat, and they can say, oh, I can do 80 mile an hour. And then all of a sudden they get behind an outboard that, that you know, is, is trimmed up. <laughs> flying that does 80 mile an hour. That yeah. does 80 mile an hour. And that is a genuine 80 mile an hour. When you scan 80 mile an hour, it feels like you're doing 100 mile an hour. Um, you, you can come unstuck. So, it, yeah, it, it goes both ways, mate. Like, there, there's cool sides of it. But I think practicality and, and wanting to be a racer and growing up to potentially be either a world champion or superclass skier or whichever track you decide to run down, being behind the hard, the hard boat to ski behind yep. is probably the better option. If you're not going to win races and you, and, you, and you might miss out by a couple of seconds to the bloke that had the bigger boat, but I tell you now, I truly believe the harder you work behind the littler boat, the better you will become in the future. It's a short-term oh. loss, long-term gain, I believe. Absolutely, like it's it's goalposts, isn't it? Where where do you it want is. to be? Like, do yeah, you, do you exactly want to win the it. series race, or do you, do you have? Yeah, you know, we always talk, and you, like you know, you've raced at Mugra in Queensland. No one will know where that is. <laughs> I think people will, but um, there, there was that thing. People like aren't oh, too hard. Nobody wants to ski there, but the people that could ski fast there seem to have a tendency to take that anywhere. Absolutely, that that's a Mugger is is a tough, tough, um, damn the ski on. No, you just there's plenty of there's plenty of big big people in the sport that that don't like Mugger, but um, you know what? I, I was a big fan, and I, I was by no means um a big fish in a little pond there. Like I w- I was swimming around with the likes of Mark Weaver and Justin Cadden and. And whatnot yourself, Pidge, maybe. Yeah, no, I yeah. think Pidge was on the bank by then. But um, <laughs> eating like, pies, mate. Yeah, <laughs> eating pies. That's it. But um, no, like Mulgrew is a tough, tough place to ski, and, uh, and and since skiing up there, I truly believe that that really helped me with some of the fundamentals that I was missing as a skier, and they brought them out in me, and and it helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I- and, like, I'll throw this at you. Like, you can be a super quick skier on smooth and not necessarily a good rough water skier, but the ratios change. If you're a really good rough water skier, your percentages of being a better smooth water skier are higher than in reverse, if that oh, makes I, sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you can ski in, in, in the rubbish water, you've got a hell of a lot better chance of being able to ski fast in smooth water. Like you say, rolls reversed. It doesn't quite work that way. So, um, you know, if there's any kids that are listening to this and they, and they, and they, they want to become good skiers with, with good skills and, and a good foundation for their skiing or ski racing, the rougher the better. Again, I, I don't think, and don't get me wrong, we did a lot of roaring out in the bay, but I, like I know, especially we talk about Pidge, like Pidge, Pidge become world champion. He won outright stuff. The guy was good, despite being a big unit. But <laughs> um, he, a lot of his time was spent just social skiing, like riding things that weren't weren't high high drama. They weren't they weren't like he wasn't going to get hurt if he crashed, like discs and planks and freeboards and. Like that man cut laps at the dam, social dam, and I th- I think it made a huge impact on his racing. Oh, definitely. I I I truly believe social skiing is one of the best things you can do. Um, I was even talking to uh, Kevin Boylan the other day, and and he was saying like how good it is that the his young bloke and his group of mates are out social skiing and whatnot and it, it all helps any time on the water is good time on the water when do you have a bad day on the water never yeah, that's a good point yeah and like you know say so like you you cock up something social skiing you, you get dragged up onto your toes you bow steer for a bit and you kind of stand up and go that was close you know like yeah, the, the amount of times that happens racing and you recover from it as opposed to walking out the front and getting smashed. I, like, there's got to be a relationship with that, I think. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and that's the thing. You, when you get away with a social scheme or you don't get away with it, social scheme, it's all got to help. Like, it, it, it can help your body. It just knows the feel on your ski. Just, it, it all helps, mate. It all helps. Well, while we're there, social racing. Raymond, where are you on that? <laughs> I used to love my. I used to love social race skiing. Used to do laps upon laps at uh, Region Five, and I used to do it tough. Was born a twin rig, and and um, th- that was really hard. Anyone that skis at Region Five knows that it can be smooth one minute, it can be uh, the Tukli monster can rear its head within minutes. So um, that was tough. Um, I used to really like it. That that all changed. I had a few runs down the 80 course, which didn't all go to plan. I've, uh, I think I've had a run with you side by side, which wasn't <laughs> all the best. I think we stopped even before the end of the first straight. But, yeah, look, social, social racing, um, I, it's not for the faint-hearted. Those boys that, uh, that go super quick on them and, and have thrown down some incredible times, including yourself. I think Pidge even used to have a fair crack at that too. Yeah, he went um, oh, I take me hat off to you. It's not, it's not something that I uh, get enjoyment out of um, <laughs> anymore. And I, th- I remember doing you know, front straight behind Master Stroke, behind Paddy Grafton. I went over a couple of ripples and, yeah, face planted, and that, that was me done on the social ski. So, yeah, they do have a bit of an issue with stopping suddenly. But, I mean, if you can get around that, all good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's let's talk highlights, mate. Like you, you've got you've got you've got a bucket full of them. Where do you start on stuff that you really rate? Because uh, we are the champions. Southern eighty was that 
that's the biggest highlight of mine. But I've also had a little bit of success along the way too. So, yeah, but the biggest one would have to be, yeah, Southern 80 winning record there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fair old thing to have on the resume. Um, let's talk about that one. Did you go into it thinking you could win? We knew we are probably in with a chance. Um, we, we knew we could be competitive, certainly after our return leg of the BHAG. We um, ended up being quickest on the return leg of the BHAG that year. Um, so that put us in, in, in good spirits, knowing that we, we could at least be competitive. Um, we were a little bit off the pace um, in, on the first leg of the BHAG, but, yeah, we certainly made that back up on the second leg. So, um, yeah, that gave us, like I said, good spirits for, for the 80, knowing that that top end of the course that we could be reasonably quick in. Um, and then after a couple of training runs with your team, you obviously build some confidence. And us as skis didn't do anything overly different. To, we did two practice runs over a weekend and then we did a run on the Thursday morning before which really opened our eyes to what we were capable of um, but full credit goes to probably Tricker um, with the amount of time and effort that goes into um, what he did just studying the course to the point where there was a training run that we did I actually I, I hit a submerged log and it was offered a tree that had come out and, and it rattled me a fair bit well Ian went to that exact spot where that was and, you know, he put his own flagging around it just so the next time we went past it, he knew that I could see it and we were well aware of it and um, he gave me all the room in the world. So not too many drivers that go out there and do that for their skiers. Just just, just to give them the confidence that, you know, that it's there, we've seen it, we're past it, let's keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously the time was... You know, it, it had already been flagged that oh, it's in the wash. It's, it's you know, the, the record's probably going to have... Are we going to have to change everything they were saying? You finished. You, you looked down. Is, is that what you were thinking you'd run? Um, oh, look, I, I thought probably a low... Th- a, mid, a mid 30 would probably do it. Um, and, and that's the time that we were all kind of talking, a mid 30, which was somewhat of, you know, a little bit slower than what Mert Force had run. Roughly the same time Mistress had won, um, and they were the three, the two boats that had won previously inside the wash. Yep. But then doing our splits and and where we were on course and whatnot, you kind of start to go, oh, yep, yep, all right, we're having a fair crack. And then when we got to five mile, it was it was a fair struggle, like uh, mentally. Tricker had always gone. I don't know if I've got thirty minutes in me mentally just driving the boat and. You know, I kind of brushed it like, ah, it's 30 minutes, you'll be right. But coming into five mile and I looked at our split and I start my watch when I jump in at 30 seconds and I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, did I start it too early? Did I start it late? Like, where am I at? And um, it took me probably, to anyone that knows that course, probably took me to Cadell to realise what we were doing and get myself together. Yep. Um, on on the Blitz course. And then, obviously, when we finished, I looked at me watch and I was like, wow. Like, it was sub 30 and I still had to take 30 seconds off that time. And, yeah, yeah. I remember sitting in the water and I even got it, like, my phone. My phone's connected to my watch and the boys were idling back and they're, you know, cheering and whatnot. And my, phone, and my watch is going off and buzzing and this, oh, you won, you broke the record. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's, what's going on? It was all, it was all very surreal, Miko, like, 
um, even now I look back, it's um, it's all a bit of a blur. Like it just ran that smoothly. It's kind of like it was a bit of a dream, just a blur. Yeah, it's and like I mean, you have those races where everything works, and it's surprisingly easy when everything goes well. It just unfortunately it isn't the norm, is it? I mean, no, not at all. Even even like practice runs going to into this year's Southern Eighty, I look back and I was like, how the hell? Like I was doubting myself. How the hell did I throw down that time last year? This is so much harder than what I remember. But just on the day, everything just rolled so smoothly. And funny enough. It was actually like 20 years to the exact day that Ian had won his first Southern 80 in the Twin Rig. Yeah, that's cool. showdown. So, um, you know, I look back now and I go, gee, all the pieces to the puzzle just aligned perfectly. But before that, you were thinking, oh, gee, this is kind of going too well. So, um, yeah, it was obviously there was there's a reason uh, behind it all and whether we know it or not. But, yeah. It's uh, pretty cool to get your name on that trophy with um, the likes of yourself, Pete, Zig, um, you know. Oh, be, be careful using my name in a moment, Pete and Zig, mate. And I'm, I'm definitely not where they were. But, uh... Uh, yeah, but, you know, there, there, there are some great, great names on that trophy. And, um, well, you know what, anyone that's got their name on that trophy, you know, is a legend, a legend somewhat, some maybe bigger than others or however you want to look at it. But um, get your name on the biggest ski racing in the world is uh is pretty cool it's uh it's pretty good for hanging shit on your mates too as uh you you'd attest old jed was pretty good at throwing it out there uh jed jed was perfect at throwing it but if you won an 80 if you won an 80 well uh you know what jedly i can uh, now say i've won one and i'm the fastest ever And now the latest and hottest tips from one of the world's best in all things ski racing. It's over to Jason Wormsley, a.k.a. Ziggy. Uh, what training advice do you have for skiers who are looking forward to the upcoming season? Well, because you're not racing, you can't compare yourself to others. So it's important to have a measure, like a way of testing your own fitness. So this could be done by setting up, you know, say a beep test at home, recording your results each week. Or you can simply measure how long it takes you to do a, a run, whether it's a 5K run, 8K run, you know, wh- whatever you, you're capable of doing. Um, but by, by recording your results, you have a base measurement and you know whether your fitness is improving, steady or dropping off. So, you know, push yourself for a better time each week. And like I said earlier, that mental focus will serve you well in the races. I guess these days, 21st century, we can use our phones to keep track of all that. There's plenty of apps out there. Is that all you need? Do you need any equipment? You don't need a heap of equipment. Um, Use your own body weight, squats, lunges, push-ups, burpees, all that horrible stuff works. You don't don't need to spend too much time in the gym if you're committed enough to do some exercising at home. Yeah, sounds sensible. Uh, What about keeping the intensity up? It's a big part of our sport. Um, Obviously, intensity is high when you're going quick or you're in a rough water race. So how would you keep your intensity up? I guess everyone needs to consider why they race. You know, for some... It's a social activity and a way to connect with mates. For others, you know, it's about spending time with family. And there are others who are out there for one reason, like yourself, to try and do as well as you can or to win. So no matter your reason, you have a responsibility to ensure you are race fit because not only it will give you a performance edge, it's the number one thing you can do to keep yourself safe. So, you know, if your body is fit, your mind is sharp, your reactive responses will be a lot more enhanced. <laughs> Look, speaking of the 80s specifically, um, 
like you were talking about tricker was down there the work tricker put in like the last few years i had a real crack i'd i'd gone down early and had a few practice runs and like i was down there over the holidays in a boat with dan mcmahon and we were cruising the course up near his house back there he could basically tell me every entry every setup every corner every like he had that thing like on lock yeah possible to be competitive slash win there if you're not doing that work not at all and i think um i think well cranny showed that when he was racing with his boys um although things have changed now um with the, the speed cap and inside the wash i think leo was the first one to really start with the mistress to really start dialing in his skis and work out what was best what worked what didn't um, he kind of pa- he paved the way and really really you know the bar was risen after those guys won, is, and everyone had to go about their racing a little bit differently. So yeah, absolutely. Is that is that relevant to every race, or is that just um, the eighty? Oh look, I think there's just so much hype around the eighty. Look, obviously it's a very very technical course for a driver, which is obviously is for us skiers. But um, with now being inside the wash, if the driver gets it wrong, it's amplified so much more out the back. Yeah. So and unfortunately we copped the brunt of that in a training run this year. So that was that was pretty awful for us. But um, it's a tough one, mate. Like you know, I know they all they all put in the time. It's certain races and whatnot. Like I think that's just the normal now, certainly in superclass. But as for the eighty, just that they, everyone goes that extra mile for that one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this will lead me perfectly into another two things I want to talk about. Number one, in the wash, um, particularly the eighty. The eighty is the only race that oh, I feel it actually makes that much of a difference for. Yeah. If you had the choice. Would you be in or out? I'd be in every day of the week. I was, I was one of those ones jumping up and down in the wash. No, no, no. This is crazy. This is bullshit. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but, mate, 100% in the wash every day of the week down that course. Yeah, okay. Do you think it's safer? Well, yeah, I do. I do believe it's safe. Look, there's, there's risks with it, of course. But when you when you are in control, when your crew's doing everything right for you, then you know you, you can't you can't eliminate some risks. Obviously, with the oh, sport absolutely. that we're in, yeah. But um, you know, it's full trust in your driver, full trust in your observer, and the bloke skiing next to you. There, there's few things, you know. Obviously, with rope length at the eighty, you've really got to get that dog dog in. Uh, one thing I've never managed to get. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big thing. When when Reese and I won, we'd bump shoulders a couple of times, but we're bumping shoulders, and it was sweet. Like yeah, um, yeah, and wasn't if if you know he was a foot further back or a foot further forward. I think you really could have end up in some mischief. But it's just those little things at that on that course and that track that you really need to. You really need to cross your T's, dot your I's. Say at a Sydney Bridge or a 120, if there's a foot with, foot in it, maybe two foot or whatnot, might not seem like much. You can probably get away with it. Yeah. But um, at yeah. the 80, there's there's no hiding on that course if, you, if you've made a mistake in rope length. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, cool. All right, super class. Like, you're there. It's cool. Like, you, you are by far one of the fastest three teams in the world. So that's mm. no stress. There's 
you know, there's been that groundswell of, well, it's, why is, it's only three boats, it's ruining superclass. My question to you is, would you prefer to have more boats in superclass even if potentially they're not at the same standard? No. Nah, that would be a better spectacle or are you... Mm. Oh, you're, you're around. There's there's three boats that qualify, and there's only three boats. Oh, I nah, I'm more for the quality over quantity. I think, and it shows even last year, 1920 season, we act or what was it, 1819 season. There was so we went in the 120. Arkham won that one. Went into Grafton. Um, Superman won it. We then went into Sydney Bridge. Pigs won it. Went to Southern A. Uh, went to the B Hag. Mistress won it. Then we went to Sydney Bridge. We, um, sorry, um, sorry, Southern Eighty. We won it. The first five major races of the season, five different winners. Like I don't remember the last time that kind of happened. You always, you had your dominant cranny. Uh, you had your dominant stinger. Then you had your dominant cranny. Then then you had a little bit of Superman. Then you had a little bit of Merc Force. And you had Superman a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, five different winners within the season. Yeah, well, like, I definitely Mistress isn't super class for, you know, like, like I don't make the rules. That's just but a variety of reasons. Should they oh, be de- in it? Personally, no, I don't. I don't think they should be in it. Um, the guys drag their boats all over the countryside and we compete in every single race. Do I believe the quality of their crew sh- could be? Absolutely. Like, they, they have proved themselves. Oh, absolutely. But I also, yeah. I also know they haven't had a solid crew race in race out race in race out yeah. and, I, yeah. and i think and i think that that's probably the only thing that's let them down um they've always either had one one permanent skier and they've had to find find someone else which also in saying that a credit to them because what they do with their skis and how they get them up to speed is yeah. is, is pretty good too like so find, find anyone and they're competitive yeah 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 absolutely no that that's a bit harsh not anyone but you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and the thing is, the hard thing is, skis these days are getting getting pretty rare. Yeah, absolutely. There is a bit of that. So you won. You got the record. Things were mint. Your team changed over that season end. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really phase us why why it changed, but it changed in terms of team changes. How do you think that affects the criteria, so to speak? Like we were just talking about. Mistress, unfortunately, gets a bit of a run, but then, you know, circumstances have trilled them over skier every now and again. Yeah. Same, uh, same skiers, different boats. Does that qualify? Well, well, the thing was with us and Arkham, we, we, we really, technically, we just swapped skiers. Just swapped. We, were, we were swapped. So there, should, there, there shouldn't have been any any issue with that. Dill was getting super class behind Arkham, won the 120. He came to us. Reese was skiing super class with us, and then he went to Arkham. There shouldn't, they're, they're, like, no, no I don't think they've even been raised. Like, but, I don't think, I don't believe there was either, but, um, like, you know, there sure as hell shouldn't have been either, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, that's, it's, hey, it's like, so we're not in charge anyway, so it doesn't really no. matter what we think. <laughs> no, so, that's exactly it. I can voice my opinion all I want, and trust me, I have on plenty of, plenty of occasions, and it doesn't get heard, so. Uh, I, like, I'd hate, to, <laughs> Was a little bit, but Queensland doesn't really count. I'd, I'd hate to be the people in charge because you, you're copping it from every side, and much like politicians, everything you do is wrong to somebody. So yeah, that's I mean, exactly it. I'm, I'm sure people are doing the best they can, 
some some decisions are more popular than other, but that's just kind of how it rolls. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly it. And you know, it, it would it is a tough job. I've been on the committees and whatnot. I believe they've made some poor decisions. I believe they made some great ones. Like it's catch twenty two. Like you said, you're not gonna you're not gonna keep everyone happy. They're the bearers of the bad news when it doesn't keep people happy. Yeah, cool. Um, like you say, you jumped on a few committees. You like you're not one of those guys that turns up races and goes home. You're setting courses. You're doing a bit. Um, been known to jump on the commentary at times, Raymond. Um, <laughs> yep. Do you, do you think that's one of your callings? Because I remember it being fairly entertaining. Well, I think, I, think, I, I, think, I think we knew it was entertaining because there was, uh, we were being supplied beers. Um, we, we had a fair feed of prawns in front of us. And, um, yeah, and, right. and it was the end of the weekend and we were just enjoying it, mate. I think we'd both, we'd, we were both not skiing anymore and we just made the most of it. Oh, absolutely. I remember raising my beer to Benny Hackett carrying his ski down the bank and uh, if you could have bottled the look in his face, it, uh, it was priceless. He, he think he would have preferred to have joined us than uh, go out there. And... Oh, absolutely. And he probably knew that you were going to give him a little bit of grief while he was out there skiing. Well, that doesn't sound like me at all, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. <laughs> no, that's right, mate. That is right. All right. Well, you're not only a big deal here, you're, you're a big deal over the ditch. Um, talk a bit about how you got to New Zealand for the bridges and why you keep going back. Uh, New Zealand Bridge, well, look, I, I love it over there. I, um, Yeah, honestly, I love the race. The people are really good. Um, the, the crew that I'm with are really good. Um, otherwise, I obviously wouldn't keep going back. But um, how it all started, I was uh, Jed, actually, his first, like, for the first time. And um, the deal was that I was to go back with him the following year. And um, unfortunately, Jed passed away in between then and there so um i had to had to scramble and and the boys really wanted me to go over there like obviously for jed and whatnot so i um was like yeah scrambling to try and find someone that would partner up with me and and i was fortunate enough zach burns jumped on board and then um we had a good we had a good time trial we won the time trial which was cool and and then we broke down in the main race. Then the following year, Zach was no longer skiing. So I asked Jake Teggett, Mert 4 skier, and a good mate of mine. And he come over and um, we won the time trial and broke the record that year. And we then went on the main race and broke a record that, you know, a lot of people probably said, oh, you know, might be very hard to beat. And we ended up smashing it by, I think it was nearly two minutes. You've uh, you got a bit of a history of that, don't you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, but as on, yeah, well, no, the record no longer stands. So um, I'd like to think the Southern eighty one might stand a little longer than when New Zealand one did. But um, we'll we'll let that one uh, take its course. But um, yeah, and then Jake and I went back the following year, and um, Daniel Gratz and Daniel Cotto were behind probably the 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 pick of the bunch of boats, and um, they didn't have all that much luck over there and, and it kind of went Jake and I's way again and we managed to take a few more seconds off our record, which was cool. And then, um, yeah, then the next year we broke and Vernon, fortunate for them, unfortunate for us, ended up beating our record by, I think it was like six seconds, which ultimately, you know, was great for them and it was sad for us. But um, I do believe there's, for us and the team of Under Siege, there's still time in that record. So that would be cool. And then 
yeah, I've still got the time trial record with uh, Daniel Campbell, Booney. So that's um, hey, that's pretty. Man. That's yeah, that's cool. And then went back again for my fifth year and um, skied with my ski partner last year with Dill Stevenson, and uh, we won the time trial and won the main race again. So then we've got three three New Zealand bridges and five time trials in a row over there. So yeah, pretty cool. It's it's a fair old record, and like obviously you keep going back because you're doing well and. You know, success breeds success. They want you over there. But is it more than just racing? Oh, absolutely, mate. The guys in fish, Ross Christensen um, and his um, wife, Gaius, they're absolutely awesome. They treat us like royalty. Not that that's how we want to be treated, but they just they go above and beyond. Um, and then Observer Smale, he, he's, he's really good mates with me and we, we formed a pretty good uh, friendship through it all and and then Merv and Waxy and their families um it's it's now just a big group of people and mate if you if you got the chance to go over there and and see the guys from under siege and the boat and all that kind of stuff it's just got this aura around that team and the boat um it's a crowd favorite it's loud as and um you know it's it's punching way above its weight for what it does so um yeah, and and it's really cool to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. I actually I, I did have a chance, and I, I couldn't make it happen. So I rue the day that happened because, um, mate, it is old school, and we know I love old school. So it's, yeah, it's uh, it's like old school muscle, big PSI blower, huge five forty cube Chev in it, and um, yeah, when she gets screaming, it's uh. Yeah, it's it's a weapon, and she obviously got plenty of pace, right? Yeah, it, it it does. Like for for what for what it is, yeah. It's I think going with the current, it's about one seventeen, one eighteen mile an hour, and then coming back against the current, about your one fourteen, one fifteen, getting light. But um, yeah, it it's still got plenty of mumbo for the old girl. Yeah, mate, that is that's absolutely hooking. That's cool. Yeah, um, and that river's like. Yeah, doing those numbers on that river is, uh, yeah, it's it, it can get sketchy at times. What, uh, well, like I've driven over it, I drove over the bridge and looked at it and went, "Geez, that looks like a nice place to ski." But um, tell me about the narrows, mate. Like, are they for real or what? Is yeah, every story you hear about the narrows is uh, is bang on. Um, when the chine spray off um, the big twenty-one foot Everingham is hitting either side of the wall. Um, you know, you, you know it. You know it's pretty, uh, pretty skinny through that. But it's it, as quick as it appears on you. You're out of it as quick as, as quick as it. You know, it turns up. So um, it, it is. It is pretty scary. I remember the first time I went over there. Um, I think it was in '07 with Chris Knight. We skied by on a little mock boat, and they took us down the river and gave us a bit of a look. And I just thought we were just going into this dark hole that was covered by trees. And all of a sudden, we went through it, light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, and then bang, we're out of it. And I was like, wow, it was, it, yeah, it's as narrow as, as everyone talks about. Um, I would say, in all honesty, there'd probably be good, a, a reasonable two car lanes wide that, that that's about it maybe maybe put a footpath there as well and and that and that's it so screaming through there at 90 plus mile an hour um yeah is uh is pretty cool that is wild um so there you go kids at home 
If you've got a chance, get over there. Check that out. That sounds... Yeah, they... they New Zealand guys know how to get their shit done. Um, and it, it's just a cool environment, good people, and um, they go above and beyond for us over there. And uh, it's something pretty cool. Oh, like, and we've been saying, like, um, you know, like, Cody, obviously, and uh, Benny, and you boys, and that. Like, Aussies have a bit of a rep over there, but those those Kiwi kids are getting quick, aren't they? Uh, they are, yeah, definitely. Kane and uh, Perry have been coming over here for for a few years now, I think. So um, they're, they're doing everything right to to get up to pace, I believe. Um, just you want to race, you want to race hard, you want to race fast. You got to come race in Australia. That's that's just plain and simple. Um, and even like Bevan before, I'm like the, the boys knew it. They they went looking to push themselves. So that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Bevan Vaughan. Um, they're absolutely champions. Like, I think Bev's won more bridges, or w- one of them's won more bridges than you could count on both hands, mate. It's um, so yeah, yeah, they're absolutely legends of the sport over there. Yeah, very cool, very cool. All right, well, we've got through our drinks and we, we've had a pretty good chat here. So uh, probably time to start wrapping this up, mate. I, I actually, it's it's been too long between chats. Actually, I really enjoyed this, Ray. Thanks, Mika. Yeah, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you, mate. So it's been good. Before you go, is there anyone you want to have a shout out to? I mean, you've you've had a lot of people, you know, around you on the way. So if you got something something you want to say, mate, let let it be said. Yeah, thanks, Mika. It's been um, it's actually been good to catch up with you. Um, just personally, but uh, it's been certainly been a good chat. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our uh, our conversation, mate. Um, yeah, there's a you know, oh, obviously my family. I like to thank them. They've been a massive support, especially over the last two years. Where, um, you know, like I said in before in our interview, that things have kind of changed, and I've taken a different approach to me racing. So, big thanks to them. Um, thanks to anyone that's backed me or supported me through the years. It's uh. You know, it's been a fair journey over the last 15 years of racing. And, yeah, that's about it. I, I, I now believe we've got a fairly good support unit around me and people that back and support me till the, till, you know, till the cows come home now. So, yeah, just thanks to all them and I appreciate it. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it, mate? Like, the connections you make racing are like no others, I think. So Yeah, absolutely. It, it's hard. You can't, you kind of, anyone outside the sport will never kind of ever understand. It doesn't matter how much you push it, they just won't understand what it's all about. No, that's it, mate. Nailed it. So, uh, thanks for being on the road, buddy. I uh, really appreciated it. Thanks, buddy. Well, there we go. Ray Ball has been on the road. Thanks so much for taking time out and joining us on the road. Or joining Mick, I should say, on the road. But it's pretty easy when you're in a Zoom meeting and you've got a couple of beers as well. So, thanks again, Ray. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, all you young skiers out there would definitely take something from that podcast. And now it is prize pack time, and I'll hand you over to Tim. Thanks, Lumpy. Our last Coldies Quick Quiz winner is Benjamin Miller. Got to say, he was pretty happy with our prize pack. And so to this episode's Coldie Quick Quiz question, who introduced Ray Ball to ski racing? If you have the answer, head to our Facebook page, On The Rope Podcast, to lodge your answer through Messenger. Back to you, Lumpy. Thanks for that, Tim, and make sure you get your answers in. And, of course, we are giving away these prize packs. They're not fake. They are real. We do have real winners. But, uh, look, it is time for us to leave. 
Until next time, you take care. Thanks for being on the rope. My name's Mick Lumpton, and I'll see you on the water. Audio production has been proudly produced by Mal's Media in association with our On the Rope podcast sponsors Coldies Tow Bars and Bull Bars, Mark Savage Merchandise, Bullet Boats, Rubber Jungle Wetsuits, TJH Coaching and Consulting, Rapid Concepts, Sven Productions, Bad Lad Australia, and Bisho Media. <laughs>